folks, welcome back to Falling Out. This is Elgin Straight. How y'all doing? Did you like the Marble Dick episode? Some people certainly did. I have to be honest, I, I'm i as baffled as you are as to where this season is going because I did not expect to go down one of the rabbit holes that I went down last time I recorded. And yeah, I don't know where I'm going. It's a fucking mystery. But I'm enjoying the ride and I hope you are too. So what that means is the publication schedule is a little erratic this time around. And I need to apologize for that. It also means that I'm quite sure this is going to be the longest season ever of Falling Out. I have a bunch of stuff already recorded that fits into the more familiar interview format. But I want to save that till later to explore this particular rabbit hole and any others that I happen to stumble into. So please join me on this journey to God knows where. And on that note, I want to read some of the messages I received after the last episode. Here goes. This is a message from Falling Out alumni Teresa Obayashi, who you will remember from season two. Teresa wrote the following, and she gave me permission to use her name. Hi, Elgin. I just watched the video of the recent podcast. Great job. I don't know this for a fact, just observation, but I think this new palace is Mrs. Moon's tribute to her big ego as the recent only begotten daughter status and fueled by her resentment and hatred of her husband. Hear me out. Since the death of her husband, Mrs. Moon has been changing the storyline behind the faith of the UC. Moon has claimed that he and Jesus were born from a different seed, thus making them born sinless. Moon had said that HJH was born with sin. Since his death, Mrs. Moon has been proclaiming that her lineage was changed while in her mother's womb, making her being born sinless. So, according to Hak Jahan, it is she who holds the messianic trump card. Mrs. Moon has been speaking these words publicly, quote, The last 2,000 years of Christian history was to make the foundation to find the only begotten daughter. God's providence was to find the only begotten daughter, end quote. So, she, not Moon, is the Messiah. Okay, I'm just going to add in here, this is really common in cults to rewrite history when one of the leaders passes away all of a sudden oh they were wrong and now this new person is is right and has to rewrite all of the greatness of the previous great one this is classic cult behavior right here Teresa goes on so she not moon is the messiah and now for the bitterness we all know that moon had sex with many women some providential necessities the six marys etc a year or so ago mrs moon made a speech about cutting off Moon's tail. In that speech, she says, these relationships became a, quote, thorn in the flesh that festered and turned into deep resentment against him. She considered his behavior shameful and admonished him that if not for her, he would have, quote, had babies from many different bellies. I think this new temple is her way to preserve her status and prove that she is Messiah. Set the story straight in UC history. The other temples at Chengpyeong revolve around Mr. Moon as sinless and Messiah. They show the church history told from this point. They were basically built as a tribute to him. I believe the older temple also have the painted pictures, the statues, and whatever. Mrs. Moon also had some recent outdoor statues made of her alone. If you watch the promotion video of the new temple again, you will notice the part where famous people are being shown. 
Who are they with? Not the Mr., but Mrs. Moon. Mrs. Moon is a woman scorned and she'll spend millions. Thanks, Teresa Obayashi. Teresa, I could not agree more. I think HJH is perhaps rightfully so angry and resentful. And she's doing all this to rewrite history, to cut Moon out of the legacy, to make everything about her. And I believe you. I think she hates his guts, quite honestly. And she's doing everything to take any of his legacy away from him and make her the, the center of attention. That's very evident. And yeah, she's got the millions to do it. She's got the millions to fucking do it. And guess what? We know where those millions came from. That was one of the letters I received. I love that one. Thank you, Teresa. The next one that I want to read comes from an anonymous source. This one was fascinating. This came from a listener who works in the art world. And what they did is they reviewed the promo video from the last episode. They looked at all of the artists that were listed as having art at this new palace in Chungpyeong. And they wrote me the following. Okay, so I recognized a few of the, these people and or their works and found most of the rest. You've got Ai Weiwei, who you recognized. The work they are referencing is called Crystal Cube, Big Glass Sculpture. Then, as mentioned, Anish Kapoor, Sky Mirror. Kapoor has done these pieces all over the world, often outdoors, in parks, or public spaces. They are big concave mirrors that reflect an image of the sky. Then there are a number of works by Bill Viola, Numa, The Quintet of the Unseen, The Fall into Paradise, Disillusion. These are large video installations. I'm familiar with these artists. They are all big-name international artists making big works for museums and public spaces all over the world. A little weirder is Night Flight. This is a work by Namjoon Paik. He is arguably internationally Korea's best-known artist of the last 100 years or so, at least in contemporary art. The Tate Modern has work by him. He died in 2006. Very influential. Night Flight seems to be a work from 1989. It looks like it was sold at auction at some point. There's a website called Artnet that logs these sales, but you need a subscription to get the detail, and these things are often not public. Side note here, if anyone has a subscription to Artnet and can help me out to find this information or has another way of finding out how this shit was sold and who bought it and how much was paid for it and how it ended up in the Mooney's hands, please hit me up, info at fallingoutpod.com. It continues. So Artnet probably wouldn't say who bought it, so I guess Artnet would say the price, but maybe not the the buyer. Does the UC slash Moon family buy contemporary art? Question mark, question mark. I don't really know. This is the first I've seen of this shit, but if anyone has some, some info on that, I would love to hear about it. Then the, the author goes on. He is best known, as in Namjoon Pak, is best known for making works with TV sets. This appears to be a large collection of TVs, 44 apparently. As an aside, these are notoriously difficult to look after. We worked with an artist who made work with 100 old CRT TVs about 10 years ago, and you just can't get them anymore. So when they break, they break, and the work ends up irreparable. Apparently, the Namjoon Pak Foundation has been buying up all the old TVs they can get to keep his works working. Showing work like this is a big undertaking, even for a major museum. Interesting. The work entitled Gravity is a Force to be Reckoned With is by someone called Inigo Manglano Ovale. I've not heard of him, but he looks like a big international artist. The work called We is by 
Jaume Lensa. Again, I don't know him, but the style is very familiar. Again, big outdoor public sculptures all over the world. Wandering Path. I'm not sure about. I can't find anything. I don't recognize the artist or the work. Title too common to Google. So I've been thinking about this. It is all very strange, and I wonder, one, do they own these works already? It's strange that they are referencing particular works of art in this way if they don't own them. Does the Moon family collect contemporary art now? Do they own that Namjoon Park work? If they own the work, they can really do what they want with it, more or less. The artist would not necessarily need to be involved. It's not uncommon for the art market to be used to launder money, and it's not unusual for some unsavory characters to be involved in the art world. Saudi princes, Russian oligarchs, etc., etc. Even in the charitable end, ex-arms dealers, etc., etc. Question 2. Do these artists know their work and their names are being used to extort money by a cult from its members? I doubt it. On point two, I think there may be an angle to try and do something. It's probably not easy to reach these artists, but forgive me if I'm telling you things you already know. By the way, I know nothing about art, so this is like every single word of this is news to me. Forgive me if I'm telling you things you already know, but the way the art market operates is that artists or their estates, if they are dead, are usually represented by commercial galleries who act as their agents. An artist will often have different galleries representing them in different countries. Some of the biggest will operate in many countries. Lisson Gallery represents both Weiwei and Kapoor. They have galleries in London, New York, Hong Kong, probably more. As I said, Weiwei is a pretty politically engaged guy. I would be surprised if he was down with this, if he knew. A way forward might be to try and approach them and ask if they know that the leader of the UC is using their work to extort money from its members, with a bit of background story. But galleries can be unscrupulous and may not want to know too much about who's buying what. And this could probably end up being a dead end, but it may be at least worth a try. So I'm just going to let that hang there for a second. I don't know quite what to do with that. I mean, actually, I could go visit the Listen Gallery in person. It's not far from me physically. I guess I could do that. I, I, I have no experience doing that sort of shit. I don't know what letters to write. I don't know if anyone here knows anyone at the Listen Gallery or knows anyone related to these artists, but I would love to get some traction with this idea that these very famous artists' work are being used to launder the reputation of a cult leader and extort money and further the cause of human trafficking. Those are some pretty fucking shitty things to have your work be associated with, and all of these motherfuckers currently have their work associated with that. And Ai Weiwei is fucking massive. He's he's like very famous. I know shit about art and I saw that guy. I was like, oh, I know this guy. Anish Kapoor, also, I know that guy. And their shit's being used to help human traffickers. What the fuck? Can, can, can we do something about this, guys? Like, if anyone can help me, fucking talk to me because I, I, need, I need to figure this shit out. It just seems like an obvious one that something should fucking be done here. Oh, my God. Shit makes my blood boil. Fucking makes my blood boil. So yes, I would like to continue further down that rabbit hole. And I don't know where it's going to lead me, but I think it'll be an interesting journey. So I also got to say, I'm recording this on the 5th of May, and I was planning on using this recording time to review the footage from the opening ceremony of the new Marble Dicked Palace in Korea because it was meant to be launching today on the 5th of May. However, the launch has been postponed due to 
rain in the mountains of Korea. So it's going to be delayed for a little bit. I just found that out through a little bit of sleuthing and some birdies that helped me out. So that gives me the opportunity to talk about some other stuff that's related to all this and then maybe come back to that opening ceremony in another episode. By the way, just regarding this opening ceremony on the 5th of May, this is part of a big a big like multi-day so-called peace summit 2023 being held in Korea and globally as well. You'll never fucking guess who did a did a video recorded message for this. None other than Donald Trump sent a message praising the Unification Church in this UPF event. It also includes footage from Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo. Oh, it looks like Jose Manuel Barroso is there again. All of these fuckers, they do this shit every fucking year. Every fucking year. It is unbelievable. There's a recorded video from Mike Pompeo praising the church and saying that the work, quote, the work of Mother Moon matters. This shit is still happening. Here's a photo of Newt Gingrich and his wife giving Hak Jahan, the cult leader, flowers and a gift for her birthday. Jesus fucking Christ. Who else do we have here? President of Senegal, H.E. Maki Sal, appeared. Samdak Hun Sen, Prime Minister of Cambodia, appeared. Jesus fucking Christ. It fucking continues, continues, continues. So that was on the 3rd of May. I'm recording this on the 5th of May. I wanted to do some live coverage of the actual opening ceremony. That that has not happened. Uh, So I'll come back to that. But there's some other stuff that I want to cover in this episode. So if you will recall, last time around, we looked in detail at some of the messages regarding the fundraising demands for raising this palace in Korea, the the scorned woman's palace, let's call it that. Thank you, Teresa, for helping us develop that, that name here. Hak Jahan's scorned woman's palace. There we go. Has a nice ring to it. I Just a couple hours ago, another little birdie flew through my window and dropped me off this message. This is evidently from the European community regarding raising money for this place. And this message goes a little something like this. Greetings from London on this, the second full day of spring. Although it is still a little cool, the blossoms and flowers are everywhere now. Cherry, pear, forsythia, and daffodils. I've been sending photos to True Mother to cheer her up. That bitch is not looking at your photos. She doesn't give one shit about your photos. Spring was always the favorite season for true parents, and true father in particular would always come back to New York in time for the striped bass fishing season each year. We have many happy memories of being with him out on the Hudson River during our 25 years in the United States. I think this is written by Michael Balcom. I'm not sure, though. We are writing to you today to ask for your help to help us reach our goal for the EUME, I think that's Europe and Middle East donation and devotion campaign in support of the dedication of the Chonwongong, which True Mother hopes will be the dwelling place where Heavenly Parent can meet with all of humanity. Whenever I think and pray about the Chonwongong and True Mother's hope, my mind turns to the biblical account of Solomon dedicating the first temple in Jerusalem. On the one hand, Solomon was himself well aware of the shortcomings of the temple or any building, even one dedicated to God. 
There's a Bible quote here. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built? 1 Kings 8.26. But on the other hand, he was also aware that God very much wanted to bless this endeavor. And in the following, God responds to Solomon's prayer saying, I have heard the prayer and the plea you have made before me. I have consecrated this temple, which you have built, by putting my name here forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. 1 Kings 9.3 The author continues, Brothers and sisters all over Europe have been making their offerings, and overall we are just over halfway towards our goal of having at least 3,000 donors from our region. But to make our overall goal in the next 40 days, we are hoping and counting on all of the most loyal families, the Chunbo victors, to lead by example and to participate. Some have done so, but others have not yet been able to join the campaign. The suggested donation is 750 euros per person, or at least per family. But of course, any donation at all is welcome. Can you help? As this is a regional campaign, donations can be sent directly to our account. Fucking shameless. Fucking shameless. So, uh, yeah, let's do the math on that. 3,000 donors times 750 euros is 2.25 million cold and clean and that's from definitely the smallest community in the world numbers wise anyway for reasons we've covered on this show europe is uh thankfully less populated with moonies than other places which brings us to the subject of today's discussion i have found publicly i didn't even need any birdies for this thing this is completely publicly available information at least at the time of recording i found a video from 2022 uh this was made by a gentleman named damien dunkley damien appears to be the leader of the asia pac region notably asia pac excluding japan and korea and there's a lot of incriminating shit in here. Damien, I don't know if you're going to have a job after this. I'm not sorry about that because <laughs> you look like an evil, evil man throughout this video. Let's get started. There are numbers in here. There are videos. There are facts and figures. There's an outright fraud just fucking staring you in the face and i know that because this is actually the third time i've recorded this L let me tell you hak jahan's evil spirits were working hard to stop this shit from coming but it's coming we're gonna do this team here we go damien by the way this is a video of damien dunkley speaking in front of a computer monitor giving a powerpoint presentation and you'll never guess what the screensaver for the powerpoint presentation is it's two people Let's go. To which two do you think? They're Korean and they're phony messiahs. Mr. and Mrs. Phony Messiah are the backdrop for this video. Damien, what you got, buddy? Get at me. Okay, hey guys, Damien here in Bangkok, Thailand, Asia Pacific 1, and I'd like to give you my sense. I've been here over a year and a half now, working in Asia. I'd like to give you my best sense, as abbreviated as possible, about you know the circumstances, the environment, 
you know, what's going on and what we need to tackle next. So this is a good view into where our investment, our human and financial resource can go. The presentation I'm about to share with you is an adaptation of the Chonoguk Leaders presentation that I just made in Korea about three, four weeks ago. So let's go. First of all, it all starts with our true parents. And in Asia Pacific 1, uh, I would say that we are super colorful. It is rich in culture from north to south, east to west, and I'd say home to the most beautiful people in the world. Of course, aside from those of you watching. So here's an overview. Uh, this is what Asia Pacific One looks like. We okay, for the listeners, this looks like it includes China, India, Pakistan. My Southeast Asian geography is not great. Indonesia, Vietnam, Malaysia, that part of Asia. Um, it looks like it also might extend up into... Uh, Middle East a bit. Um, actually, hold on. I'm going to tell you exactly what countries are, are 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 present here. Hold on. Let's get a map up, and I'll tell you exactly what what countries are present in the fine region of Asia Pacific One in the Unification Church. This looks to me like it encompasses. If I had to guess, okay, China, Mongolia. Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, I think Malaysia doesn't, no, I don't think Malaysia's in there. Um, did I say Myanmar? Uh, Bangladesh, Bhutan, Nepal, India, Pakistan, doesn't look like it includes Afghanistan, but it does include Pakistan. Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan. Kazakhstan and Mongolia. Did I say China as well? Um, so it includes all of those countries. Notably, it doesn't include Korea or Japan yet. Yeah, looks like it doesn't include Philippines, Indonesia, uh, Papua New Guinea, Australia. So it's, yeah, it's part of Asia effectively. Um, a big part, though. You'll notice it includes some very populous countries like China and India. Uh, you'd, you'd think maybe that would lead to a large population of Moonies, considering that they claim that they have 3 million members globally. I, I wonder how many members they actually have in this area. Guess what, motherfuckers? We're going to find out. Is nowhere fucking close to 3 million. Let's dig in. I have four sub-regional leaders. Indochina with Reverend Hajime Saito. South Asia with Reverend Powdell. Greater China, Reverend Kajikuri, and Central Asia with Reverend Yun Chenup. AP1 is home to 3.5 billion people or more. There we go, 3.5 billion people in this region. And we believe that all of our victory and all of our joy will come from total unity with our true mother. So let's look at... There's a video of the, the Mafia Dawn herself on the screen now. Some data. Some of you guys like data. First of all, yeah, I love data, Damien. I want to see this data. Let's go. Let's go, dude. You've heard about our huge HTM foundation, and it really is very expansive. So, how many HTM blessed families do we have? 
I'd like to show you that. So breaking down for each. Okay, I believe HTM blessed blessed families refers to people that have like attended a conference or drunk some, drunk some holy wine or had a prayer sprinkled over them. These are I don't believe don't think these are like actual church members. Let's see what he says. Subregion, we've got 134,000 blessed couples in Indochina. Most. Yeah, these are not actual church members. We're going to get to that. These are the fake church members. Thailand and Cambodia. We've got 61,000 HTM blessed couples, uh, mostly in Nepal, but South Asia, we've got 61,000. And then we've got 164 blessed couples through HTM activity in Central Asia. You'll notice the numbers in the north are much smaller. That's because in this area, frankly, the witnessing environment is really hard. <laughs> they have zero in greater China. That's what they say. And then... 160 so they have 134k in Indochina, 61k in South Asia, zero in Greater China and 164 in Central Asia, which includes includes places like Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan, etc. So they're kind of hurting up there in those places, but really they're hurting everywhere. In fact, illegal in many areas, so that's the reality there. But in total, we have 196,000 families that have been touched, blessed by true parents, thanks to donations from people all over the world and thanks to uh, the hardworking members here on the ground. Here we go. Touched, blessed. Th thanks to the hardworking members. So these are not the actual hard mech working members that make up this 196,000. Let's continue to dig into the data. And all of the leadership up until the point that I got here. This is not my work. This is the work that was done uh, and I was able to inherit. And it, it, many of you know how much I was really encouraging HTM activity in the United States. So you know how happy I am to be able to work with this foundation here. At the same time, I want it, you know, I, I, I want to build on this and make sure that it is of great <coughs> substance. So I want to share with you some of that. Uh, we have estimates that about 10% of these people have participated in the three-day ceremony. I can't get my hands on actual really hard data but based <laughs> of course you can't the three-day ceremony is in reference to the, the the way that they tell people they need to fuck the first time they have sex you're telling me it's hard to get data on how people fuck damien is that what you're saying it's hard to get that data yeah yeah you know why because it's none of your fucking business damien that's why it's hard to get that data it's on the assessment that's where we're at. Probably overall, there's, you could say, 5% are active in some way. So. Oh, okay, here we go. 5% of 196,000 are active in some way. Okay, Damien, let's, let's break down these numbers. 196,000 times 0.05. Okay, so maximum 9,800, maximum 10,000 people in a geography that includes about half of the world's population. Interesting. Okay. Continue, please. So, so we've just lost 95% of the claimed membership. Let's go. This is a very small number compared to this one. Uh, Thank you, Damien. Clever man you are. Uh, but from here, how do we, you know, substantiate this and to scale it? It all comes down to human resource and financial resource. Here we go. He's got that on the slide. These two big blue 
balls, <laughs> human resource and financial resource. That's what they need. That's what they ask of people. That's what this is. It's about marshalling those for the will of the Moon family. And here it is, plain as day, on this video. And if there's anything I want you to take away from this presentation is kind of awareness about where we're at with our human and financial resource and what we want to do about it. I want to start though with some top level numbers here. So how many blessed families do we have? These are our core blessed families blessed by our true parents. What do we got? We got 290 in Indochina, 118 in South Asia, 78 in Greater China, and 26. I hear there's a few more than that, but that's the number I have so far. Sorry, I just got to take a screenshot of this real quick. Okay. I'm going to come back to that. Okay. Uh, so here we have, what's While the total 26 number? in Central Asia, comprising the total of 512 blessed central families in Asia Pacific 1. 512 families in Asia Pacific 1. 500 families in the most populous region on earth and this organization claims to have 3 million members I'm going to be trying to publish this shit externally from this podcast because I want all the people who've quoted the church and didn't question their numbers to see this this is impossible for them to have their fucking 3 million members talking to you Eileen Barker and Massimo Intro Vigne you taking money from the Moonies motherfuckers and just spouting out their numbers is complete bullshit and this proves it you know uh, I'd say a good half are active but how many are not active or have you know okay half of those are active so we're down to 256 families okay uh, sorry audience you're just gonna need to listen to me taking screenshots here like that just cause um, I'm gonna need this for other stuff that I'm doing just bear with me. I'm trying to be time efficient, time efficient here. Just lost touch uh, or left. Uh, actually, we don't have that data. We do know that several, you know, have come and gone because of certain systems uh, in the past. But the graph I wanted to show you is this one. What does it look like when you compare our core blessed families with our HTM, HTM blessed families, right? How can these guys carry all of these? <laughs> He's got a graphic of this like giant ball, which is the 196 HTM families, and this tiny little ball underneath it. Um, uh, that is the 512 actual families. It's 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 kind of like uh, Atlas holding up holding up the Earth. That's what this looks like. Yes, Damien, great graphic. Keep going, buddy. Guys. And for those of you that really kind of want to know the reality of this, please reach out to me. Personally, I can share more. There's only so much I really want to share uh, publicly like this. I think you've shared too much, dude, but I love it. Let's go. But ideally, every one of these families is taking care of a number of these families, but that's not the case. And then also you might think, well, all of the HTM Chombo families are directly taking care, but even that is not really the case. So even if everyone was doing their part, it would be difficult. But the fact of the matter is the number of people who are today actively engaged in supporting these tribes is a much, much smaller number. So that's my responsibility to move 
beyond that and to substantiate that, but um, you know, not mine, but of course I'm overseeing that, but uh, we need to raise these blessed families uh, all to become Chombo. But even if you had 500 Chombo families, it's tough to take care of all these people especially when finances are low and our finances are absolutely in a state of crisis across the region and i'll share a little bit more about that but this graph really kind of shows where he's got he's got these big red exclamation points over the central asia region the south asia region and the indochina region Greater China, for some reason, does not have uh, an exclamation point above it, I guess because they don't have anyone there, so they're, they're not really worried about the money that they could be extracting from it. I don't know. Let's, let's, hear, let's hear the rationale. Greater China is the only one with really any stability, and it's the one area that cannot do sort of witnessing education and activities in any normal sense. I mean, you just can't. So they, they can't even spend the money that they make on those kinds of activities. So they are able to do internal ministry well, and in many respects, they're able to support certain things outside of Greater China. God bless you guys. But overall, we have a region that is like down bad, as my son would say, okay? So I want to look at it a little bit deeper so that you can understand. Um, my analysis of this crisis is that there are underlying issues here and COVID exposed them. So, you know, for the most part, I would say 80 to 90% of the entire foundation in Asia Pacific One is still in a pioneering or a missionary type structure. And when COVID hit, it just destroys that. Anything that's in a pioneering phase just gets obliterated with this crazy virus and lockdown culture that we had to. Just to be clear, he's talking about like fundraising like door-to-door fundraising but when he says missionary or pioneering that's what he's talking about and of course it gets hit when covid comes in survive through but i want to highlight some of the key aspects of what i mean by a pioneering missionary structure number one it's highly centralized there's really one leader commanding the show kind of good for military uh, time but it it makes it difficult for creative autonomy to solve problems locally, right? So centralized pastoral authority, uh, centers that are focused on full-time members, and the monetary system is based only on fundraising. So what do these three things really mean? It's like, actually, we do have several centers around, in, in especially some of the strategic nations, we have centers, but by and large, most of them don't operate as churches. In other words, they're not pastoral centers. They're not community centers. They're centers for full-time members who are going through education and training. But that doesn't take care of kids, doesn't take care of grandparents. It's not where you go for your sungwa. There's Right, so they're like indoctrination centers, basically, where people go to get recruited to go do more fundraising and witnessing to find more fundraisers. That's, that's what he's talking about here. There's many aspects of our, our community that are not met just by a center. So only the HQ in those regions can sort of function in a pastoral sense. And I didn't know that. So in a sense, you've got 20 nations, that means you've got 20 HQs. But in reality, only half of them are really substantiated with an actual HQ. And if you do have other members or centers around the country, it's just one HQ. It's almost like there's only one pastor. And the other problem with that 
is that when the national leader is the only pastor, well, guess what? He's often busy with you know, big events and rallies and mobilizations for UPF events and creating witnessing environment. He doesn't have time, or she doesn't really have time to... No, it's always a he, dude. Come on, man. You know how this works. She. <laughs> Take care of the blessed families well, frankly. That's one of the problems of this pioneering mode where it's all gung-ho, guns blazing for like focusing on young people serving and, and, and sacrificing, but really very little uh, environment for blessed families and communities, frankly. And this is a big one, the monetary system based on fundraising. Imagine what, you know, that, that's powerful here. But most of the fundraising has to happen overseas where we've got money. And with COVID lockdowns, you can imagine. So what are we going to do? Based on those three points, of course, we want to uh, expand authority down to the local level. We want to keep the unity that exists here. It's incredible. The unity, the dedication, the snap to itness. But we want to expand authority down to the local level and give each tier of leadership greater and greater experience with creative autonomy and authority, okay? We want to make space for the community. So we're going to keep the centers and full-time membership training. That's amazing. But we want to also expand on that and build kind of community and uh, treat the members like they are VIPs. So really paying attention to the blessing. Treat them like they're VIPs. You should, maybe you shouldn't be taking their money, man. Just saying. Families, in other words. And uh, of course, we want to keep fundraising where possible, but we do need to increase other income streams. No, you're taking their money, dude. That's what you're doing. That's what this whole thing is about. It's about taking money. It's going to get a whole lot worse, Damien. Let's go. We get into some of these things, but essentially our entire strategy is boiled around, you know, these kinds of themes. But I have to say the most fundamental and central theme is much more simple. And it is total unity with our true mother, God's only begotten daughter. I believe this is the most important thing. And frankly, I'm not just saying, this is not just a lip service slide, okay? I am literally saying that from the day I, from the day mother appointed me here and the day I prayed about God what to do, this is the one and it, this is literally, if there was nothing else, it was, it's this. 80% of everything we've been doing is focusing on this, both <clears throat> internally and externally. It really has been the most central strategy of Asia Pacific One so far. And I'll just really highlight a few of the things in terms of the last 21 months. Um, this is the, you know, progress bar dashboard of the various projects that we're working on, and I'll just bounce across them real quick here. First of all, Mother of Peace, you know what I mean. Uh, we believe this. Okay, I didn't really know what he meant, but uh, this Mother of Peace, like, it look, appears to be uh, Akta Han's uh, mem memoir. I didn't know that she had writ written one. I guess it's meant to be like an analog to her husband's glorious book entitled As a Peace-Loving Global Citizen. Looks like she's trying to get in on the same racket, and he's just got a photo of a stack of books who no one wants to fucking read. Let's let's hear about Mother of Peace, Damien. Let's go. 
is the central scripture of this time. So, but when I started here, the, the, we didn't have any copies. There's like literally 20 languages. So, you know, you can ask, well, how many books have you shared? But very few people speak English or Japanese or Korean. So we needed to translate it into 20 languages. Well, we've been able to do 16 so far. But this isn't just about translating the book and, you know, it's not just a project. This is a ministry. We didn't have any money for this, actually. So we had to rely on volunteers, members uh, working at home on laptops. Some of those laptops had to be repurchased because they were broken. Some members literally translated by hand on paper. And, you know, uh, thank you to some who were inspired by this report. They donated. Actually, Dr. Kihun Kim was the first to donate. It kicked off this whole round of fundraising. We were able to raise $12,000. $12,001, which were able to be distributed to the second round of fundraising, which got, we were able to go from seven languages to 16 languages this year. We've got four more to go. So thank you to all of you that participated in that. Because for us, really, mother's life, mother's, she's, I don't know if you can feel this, but there's so much that she's been trying to say, but she has to keep quiet. And so all I've been trying to do is myself understand. It was really Dr. Kim who really led me to that water. And I've been drinking that water ever since. And really my wife's support and our couple, I've been able to go just deeper and deeper and deeper. And of course, reading Mother's book, but it's not just what is printed in the book. It's what's not printed. It's what's kind of written in between the lines. And I always try to capture that essence and go deeper and deeper. So this really has been the central heartbeat of our ministry, of our strategy, and of our even our educational uh, resource. And so even at my weekly sermons, uh, whenever I give a sermon, I, I will share with the whole region and base it off of, in, unless there's some special activity going on, I'm literally just going through the book. We're about two-thirds of the way through, and we share those with the members online. And then as much as possible, we try to translate them. So this is really reaching all of the members eventually. That's why, you know, this heartbeat has to reach all of the areas of our region. And uh, we, we are able to use technology to deliver it. Um, PeaceNet is also kind of a cousin to that project. PeaceNet is like our morning devotion. Uh, but it's not centered regionally. We, I encourage all of the regions and the districts, and even the local tribal messiahs. That's where I really want to get it to, where they're doing their own. And so it's starting from the region, but going all the way down to the field and in multiple languages. There's just no way you can tr constantly try to speak to everybody every day in multiple languages effectively. But my key reason is I really want to raise up, remember, decentralize and give more power and autonomy and creativity to the field. The reason we titled it P PeaceNet is because I want them to think of not just our own members participating, but I want them to invite their friends, invite their guests. Yes, they'll pray. Yes, they'll honor true parents in that morning prayer, but they'll also share from Mother's Book and share their uh, inspirations and their testimonies based on Mother's life. So that's that. 
we got Hyojung Love Offering is another huge project that we initiated here in AP, AP1. We're now in our third year, but the results from our first two years, we got 6,000 people to donate 90 grand. What the fuck? 6,000 people to, vo to devote 90 grand? Okay, what's that money for? Let's find out. And this year we got 10,100 people to, don to donate 135 grand. It's just a gift. It's a gift for True Mother. It's not the birthday gift or the anniversary gift or any of the things that IHQ has asked us for. We initiated it because I felt that for us to really um, change our relationship with money, we need to root it here. In AP1, you know, so the idea is let us really be filial children of true parents and let us give an unsolicited gift to true parents. And mother was really overjoyed by this. She didn't expect it. And she gifted a bunch of... Uh... What the fuck? 135, so he's saying he raised 135 grand. I have a few questions about this. Number one, a, just a, a gift for a fucking billionaire. A gift for a billionaire. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess the people in your region are not the wealthiest people in the world, Damien, and you're taking money from them to give it to a billionaire who builds fucking marble palaces and shit. What the fuck? You're you're not serving these people. You're fucking extracting from them. That's what you're doing, Damien. And I also have another question here. So he's saying that this this First year they they raised ninety k from six thousand participants. Year two year two they raised one hundred thirty five k from a little over ten thousand participants. Previously he said they had about five hundred families. Let's say those families have four people in them max. So maybe there's two thousand actual church members in the whole region. Maybe where are the other eight thousand people that are donating and what did those so if, if he raised money from ten thousand people eight thousand of those were not church members and what did those people think that they were giving their money to what scam did you pull on them to get them to donate because i guarantee if you said oh we'd like you to donate to a billionaire bitches marble palace they would not donate What's the fucking scam here? And honestly, Damien, how dare you take money out of people like that, like that to give to this woman? Fuck, this is fucking infuriating. Uh, holy items, you may have heard about that. I'll show you some pictures. But more than anything, the act of just collecting the offering, you know, our national leaders visiting the families, asking the second generation, the people in our HTM area, you know, this is one way to substantiate our HTM area and our second generation and children. They really gave freely from their. Wow. So he's got a photo here. Let me screen cap this shit. They're putting this shit on Twitter. Um, He's got a photo here of a bunch of kids who have for from whom evidently donations have been solicited and they have been given a book. Guess what the book is? It's the Mother of Peace book. Uh, these kids look to be maybe anywhere between eight and 13 or 14 years old. And he's just taking money from them. You fucking bastard, Damien. Maybe a dollar, maybe ten dollars, maybe a hundred dollars, but all to give to True Mother. And Mother gave 70, 70 holy items, True Parents' clothes, Mother's clothes, and we took great care of them. We cataloged, we photographed, measured, and cataloged all of them, and we have made this beautiful uh, two-piece 
frame set. What the actual fuck? What the fuck, fuck, fuck? So he has a photo now, a, a mock-up of, um, looks to be a jacket of Hak Jahan's. First of all, in the frame before, he showed um, them cataloging her clothes like they were fucking works of art or something. Now they literally have one displayed as a work of art. A jacket of hers displayed in a gold frame on a wall next to a plaque with a similar frame that has, it looks to be, a photo of Moon and Han and some other, <coughs> excuse me, some other words inscribed. Um so they're gifting her they're they're grifting members and non-members alike to give money to this billionaire bitch and then she's giving them her old clothes that she probably hasn't even worn and guess what happens with that it's a box frame with depth and you can light it and it looks beautiful this is a brass plaque with true mother's words that were given in fact if anybody's got like 25 grand or more and you want to get your hands on one of these, I have reserved just a few of them for fundraising purposes because my understanding is mother also wanted us to be able to raise some money substantially from this gift. But fuck you, Damien. Fuck you. Fuck you so hard. The grift, the grift and the I, I give you credit, man. You got some big ass balls to be doing this shit. Stealing money from church members, giving that to the billionaire bitch. Then she gives you her dirty fucking clothes, and then you're trying to sell those clothes for another 25 grand? What the fuck? This is a grift. This is a con. This is a scam, and you're part of it, Damien. You're absolutely part of it. Oh, let me screen cap this shit, too. Going to put your name all over Twitter, Damien. You're going to be famous, dude. Enjoy. The vast majority of these clothes are going to very humble, blessed families in Asia Pacific One. Those who really worked hard in their HTM or in other ways to give for the sake of their national restoration. So this is a gift from mother and is really an unexpected gift. But this is me trying to encourage our blessed families. How can we learn about Hyojang? How can we take ownership over our nation, over our family, our HTM? How can we take ownership over our financial situation also? Starting with, even though we're totally poor, bankrupt and empty, let us start by giving. Uh, I mean, that was a really tear, tear moving, tear jerking uh, ministry. The H Bro, fuck you. It's not. Yeah, it's tear jerking because it's fucking heartbreaking what you're doing to these people. Yeah, it is tear-jerking, Damien. God. Continue, dude. Jay Love Offering. So that's made a big impact so far. Okay, media, you would imagine, this would be my area of greatest joy, but, you know, with limited resources, we can't play in this pond too quick. We have been doing some HJ Peace Festivals uh, every month as a means to raise people who want to give and want to serve in this digital capacity. One cute example is this uh, second gen team who, you know, made a fun music video for one of these HT, the Myanmar uh, Peace Festival. And within like a month, they went totally viral with their music video. Totally cool. This is super early stages, but you. I just want to make a point here. This is the grift caught on camera. So. Holy fuck, Damien. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat here, motherfucker. So you've just said that you sent this you – you asked this team of girls to make this video 
to raise money for these HJ festivals, which are somehow about elevating true parents, uh, celebrating some shit to do with true parents. Okay, great. You raised some money, some money to do that. Guess how you fucking raised it? This video that you're that you're showing us right now that you're saying went viral and helped raise the money. The subtitle on it says, please enjoy with us and donate to the poor children in Myanmar together. You see what you're fucking doing here, Damien? <laughs> you're fucking lying to people. You're telling them that you're donating money to the poor kids in Myanmar and you're using it to host a festival to elevate a billionaire bitch. Damien, you're not the good guy here, dude. You're not the fucking good guy. This is a scam and it's caught on fucking tape. Jesus fucking Christ. I got to take another fucking screenshot of this here just to make sure I got two of this shit. All right, let's keep going. Me, Those of you that do know me, you know that I really want to invest in media, but we're still kind of limping along with old computers. You know... The IT team is one guy, okay, in Thailand, and Thailand's our biggest church, okay, and then his whole, his whole media center is on the ground floor in one of the rooms in the basement, and when it, when the, when it rains and when it floods and when the pump breaks, he's got to raise all his computers off the ground. I mean, super, super different than what we're used to in HQ in America, so I really want to help them, I really want to invest, but they've done amazing things with what they have. And for those of you in America that love media, anybody that wants to come out for three months and help, I love you, I welcome you, we'll take care of you. Um, okay, these are just some of the things, but there's two major departments of church growth and finance asset management that I want to share with you because we do need to get back to the money part. And okay, here comes the money. Let's see it. And uh, money is connected both to church growth and finance and asset management. So these are... This is my question. Why is the money so important, Damien? Why is the money so important? If you were really cared about the spiritual, uh, you know, success of your constituents, wouldn't you care something ab about that? Like how they were doing as people as opposed to like how much money they were bringing in? Just a thought, like what, where, where are your priorities at, man? Just think about that. And anyone else who's involved in this, just think about that. Where are the priorities of someone who's about to spend another fucking thirty minutes start talking about the state of the, the finances in in his region? Two new departments. I appointed our vice president uh, Kajikuri to take care of church growth, and uh, Maruda Sirilert, who's a, a Thai brother. There's a Japanese wife. He lived for many years in Japan, running businesses, developing his own businesses. He has ability. And so I appointed him as the manager of director of asset and financial management for all of AP1. But he's starting to focus first in Thailand, where we have a lot to take care of. So I want to go through real quick these two things. Sorry if this is getting long. Maybe you've already fast forward. Nope. Keep it coming, dude. Keep it coming. By now. Okay. So for church growth and finance, I want to go through a little bit more detail. So we have 3.5 billion people. Of course, we've got Chombo. Chombo is an area that we need to continue. We have uh, 84 Chombo victors in 2020. We're now up to 133 
native Chombo victors. That means not overseas Chombo victors that sponsored a tribe, but people who actually live here. I think what he's referring to here, the audience, maybe someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but when he says Chumbo Victors, I think he I think he means these are people who've donated enough to have their names inscribed inside the dick towers in Korea that were described uh in the last episode. Like um <clears throat> yes, imagine like uh you know having your name inscribed forever on in inside <laughs> on the inside of, of the, of the, of the dick, like just going around the tube. Imagine that. How, how happy would you be to have your, to have your name inscribed there forever? Congrats, Chunbo Victors. What else you got, Damien? And I think we're up to about, you know, 20 or so. I've got the data, but I didn't include it in this report. About 20 or so that are really substantially doing Chumbo in the sense that at least 43 of those fa- families are blessed and they've done their three-day and to some degree they're participating. So there's an incredible foundation to build upon. But it's not as glamorous as it might look when you just see a stadium full of people receiving the blessing, right? You can imagine how much work there is to really substantiate it. So for me, everything beyond the realm of real substance is like really good PR. But in terms of church growth, in terms of how many people will show up if, if, we, if we have a meeting, how many people will donate, that's a smaller number that we need to grow. That's why the database is important. There's no database. We are building this from scratch, and this is one of the main projects under Reverend Kajikuri. So this is not just about reporting, okay? Database for me is about loving the members. It's about loving the members. Because honestly, you might think that you kind of know how everybody's doing in your community, but you don't. I mean, look, families with more than six or seven or eight kids sometimes forget the names of their own children, right? Or they... (laughs) Really? Okay, I guess so. I guess so. That's an an interesting interesting way to frame it. Okay, continue. Right, forget, you know, they might lose a child in Walmart or something, right? If if you're like (laughs) 10 kids. So imagine having... 20 members, 30 members, 50 or 100 members. It gets really hard to make sure you, you, know, you know everybody's birthday, you know how they're doing, did they show up recently, are they participating, are they donating. For me, this has absolutely nothing to do with the report. The report is really important, but 90% of it is really about equipping the leader to have tools that he can be in better touch with his precious members. Okay, so it's really about love. I'll give you a quick, quick case study. One of our communities that has 83 members, uh, before they started looking at the data, if you ask them how many members do you have, they'd say 83 members. But when they started putting together the data, they realized actually 30%, over 30% of their membership is inactive. Out of 83, 30 are actually inactive. And there's some metric that we use, maybe, you know, it's been more than six months or 12 months since you kind of showed up or donated or something like that of substance. Okay, so that's what they're tracking, whether you show up or you donate. The second one is key. I'm sure if you don't show up, but you do donate, they're going to consider you active. It tells you what their priorities are. You don't care about the spiritual growth of these people, Damien. You care about the money that they bring into your organization, plain and simple. Continue with your graphs, please. 
And so inactive, this number grows. The, the, the less you feed it, the less you take, pay attention to it, this number will grow. So you need to reduce this number of inactive. Before we even talk about witnessing or growing, how are we taking care of each other, right? So uh, we might think we're doing good, but we got to make sure that our leaders are really checking and we want to help them do that. So that's one thing the database can do. And what we noticed is when we paid this community, when they paid attention to the 30 members that aren't showing up anymore, they simply prayed on it. What should we do? And you know, you have to notice this isn't a number, it's a list of names. Not these names, it's just an example, right? They're people. Each one of these numbers is people. So they prayed and they made a plan. How can we take care of each one of these people individually? They came up with a custom plan for each person. And over the course of like two or three months, they noticed that number going down and down and down. And it's even lower than this right now. So database is really about membership care. Okay. So they're surveilling you. He's got a slide that says database equals membership care. It's a bit like, I don't know, big brother loves you type of type of shit. That's the, that's the vibes that I'm getting here. Database equals membership care. Think about that. Surveillance is for your sake. So this is uh, a tool, but the actual culture that we're trying to encourage, of course, is internal witnessing. And it is not just the job of the leader or the pastor. Obviously, it's a culture. So do we really care for one another? Are we, you know, listening to one another? Can, you know, we can do home groups. We can do trinities. We can do all kinds of things. And I, I, we're helping at the regional level. We're helping people set those up. But we really want the nation. Every nation is so different. We encourage everyone to really freely discover ways that work for them if our ideas don't work. But the point is, are we taking care of one another? And is the person who's responsible really monitoring well? So beyond that, one thing that Asia is really cool about is witnessing. Witnessing has such great potential here. Okay, I just got to jump in here and say from here on is what I hope will be the fourth and final time that I've been recording this. The Hak Jahan spirit world came and attacked my computer again in the middle of recording everything before and now we're starting again but we're in the middle of the video so fourth time's the charm i hope here we go let's see what you got damien oh let's see what you got damien and honestly my goal is not just to grow the church okay uh, I want to expand True Parents' love and influence throughout the region. I'm building on the momentum that's already here. Great work has been done. I want to continue that. But one thing I notice where we have incredible potential in Asia, specifically in certain countries like Nepal, in Thailand, in Cambodia, even India and a few other areas. Right now, I'm not talking about we have to, you know, build some big foundation. for it. The foundation is already there to witness to young people. And I was thinking about, you know, the Madison Square, the 1982 blessing. You know, how many people walked into that stadium single and then they walked out as a blessed couple? Many of you may be watching, right, from 1982. Some got married in Korea. Some got married in America. But you, you got to recognize that the American movement today is entirely, almost entirely 
surviving off of that blessing. That, that is correct, Damien. Yes. That blessing where you bred a generation into servitude is where many of my guests have come from on this show. Many of the raptors in the park were created in that moment in 1982. Let's see where you're going with this train of thought, Damien. Foundation. Both our first and second generation and third generation are connected to 1982. So when we do these big regional summits and these big regional blessings that are somehow going to just save everybody, well... <laughs> oh, yeah, this is, they're just somehow going to save everybody. Yeah, you, you make a good point there because... Is America somehow any better as a result of that activity, Damien? Really? Like you've just kind of said like that nothing really happens as a result of these things. So I don't even know if you believe your own bullshit. In the case of Asia, I know we can fill st – filling stadiums here is not the challenge. We can fill stadiums even with HTM blessing communities. But my goal, our goal – is young, core, true and true sons and daughters, members of our true parents, who will be blessed by our true parents. Therefore, these are going to be matching couples and blessing couples. And we're trying to get our head around what's possible and then like stretch beyond just what's possible. But, you know, this is a snapshot of where I think we want to be. We want to try to get, by 2023, a thousand matching candidates. By 2025, 4,000 matching candidates. By 2027, 12,000 matching candidates. That means couples that, people that we're going to put and bless as couples. And my ultimate goal is really like blessed children. How many blessed children can we bring to the chum? Damien, fuck you. Fuck you, Damien. This is the shit. I, I've, I haven't heard this shit said out loud before, but I know that someone 40 or 50 years ago had this same bright idea to breed a generation into servitude. And I was part of that generation and thousands of us other kids were part of that generation. And guess what? We suffered Neglect, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, financial abuse, sexual abuse, many other types of abuse. If you've been listening to a single fucking shred of this show, that is the environment that you're creating. That is the environment that you are breeding people into, that you have bred pe people into. And now you're saying the quiet part out loud that you want to do all of that shit again. You're saying 2027, so that's, what, 45 years after the 1982 event in Madison Square Garden. You want to get a similar number. You say 12,000 couples. You want to do it all again. You want to be responsible. This is what you're doing, Damien. You're going to be responsible for the suffering of thousands of people. All to give money to some rich bitch who's not even going to be alive then. She's going to pass the reins down to one of her kids. And if you haven't noticed, they're all fucking assholes, Damien. That's what you're doing here. You are not the good guy, Damien. 
You're not the good guy. Continue. Keep digging, digging the hole here, dude. Keep digging. Let's see, let's see how deep you can go. What you got? Chongwongung when it's built. Actually, and that takes years, 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 years. I probably won't even be here then to like savor savor those results, but this is what I want to invest in. And there's a lot of powerful witness. Okay, so you won't be here. But but this whole generation of kids will be here. This generation of raptors is gonna come back, and if you're not there. They're going to need to rip the face off someone else. Might be, who knows, who knows, someone, someone that's related to you. Might bear some, there might be a grudge held against some of them. Who knows, who knows, we'll see. Seeing potential here, we've got all kinds of infrastructure that we're building to support. And every nation has a slightly different uh, uh, approach based on their culture and circumstance. But what I can say to you is we have real potential for robust membership growth. Not just witness to 100 or 200 that just like bear, you know, burn themselves out on fundraising. I'm talking about really taking it all the way through, all the way through to matching, to blessing, to bless central families, to communities that can support those blessed central families, and to second gen that are born from those blessed central families. Really, that's our end game. Fuck you again. Damien, <laughs> fuck you so hard for for. I mean, I guess you 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 you're just saying the shit that we all knew was being said behind closed doors, basically. But it's to me, it's still shocking. And this is now the fucking fourth time that I've recorded this. It's still shocking that you're saying this, knowing the environment that you are planning on bringing these children into and it's several years of project but i wanted you to know that not only uh, this is not just a like a external report idea it's possible here so i want you guys to know it's not so easy in america and japan and korea and many nations in europe but it is possible here still africa and asia great potential so i want to do what i can from ap1 to really encourage and support okay so that's about church growth and church growth is important because it's also connected to finance. So let me get to finance now. Finance for our church can be boiled down into three major areas, right? You've got donations, you've got business, and you've got fundraising. Well, what's the status of AP1? Can I just say here where... Like... Here, here again. He, it's just, it's just laid out for you on a on, on a platter. This is what they care about: donations, business, and fundraising. Money, money, money. That is all they care about. Not once has he ever mentioned the welfare of any uh, of any church member. Not fucking once. Frankly, our donation culture is very poor. Maybe you could blame it on the fact that it, this area is not really a, there's no Christian foundation, so there's no concept of tithing, traditionally speaking. But honestly, we should be doing much better than we are with donations. Now, those of you who donate from your country to over here, you give your money for our projects. It's my responsibility to, to make first sure that our members are donating, right? So not just because you're poor. It doesn't matter how little money you have. You can give one bowl of rice and be counted among those who are owners of our 
mission, right? Bro, Hak Jahan does not need any more bowls of fucking rice. These people should eat their own goddamn bowls of rice instead of giving it to the empress of a kingdom of shit. Let them eat their own fucking rice, dude. So this doesn't represent sort of money. This represents more like the culture and standard of donation here, in a sense. Business also. In the past, you know, businesses were able to squeeze some some things out, but we've lost businesses, frankly. Frankly, just some people kind of didn't really know the best way to run it. We lost it. But we do have some assets and we do have some business base and it needs to be doing much better. How can I ask you overseas to donate money if we're not doing everything we can in this realm and this realm? This realm over here, I tell you, a lot of precious members working their butts off to fundraise to donate. This is basically a snapshot of our how Asia runs its finances, basically, until now. So he just pointed at the, the fundraising bubble and uh, just kind of implied that that's where all the where the only money is actually coming from. Um, and graphically, he's represented that with a green line above the fundraising bub bubble and two red lines under the donations and business bubbles. Just to be clear, the fundraising that they're talking about is human trafficking, labor trafficking, all the shit that you've been hearing about on this show. And I think, you know, this is important, but if we only rely on this one, it's really tough. And then COVID hits, that's what it looks like. Lockdown hits, that's what it looks like. This was the financial realm that I stepped into. So... <laughs> oh, poor you, Damien. Uh, you're, you're so fucking heroic stepping into this quagmire of a situation. Fuck you, Damien. <laughs> let's, let's see what else you're going to show us here. Obviously, I want to increase all of these. Uh, they've done amazing things. We have done amazing things in this region up, up to get to this point, but it's not lockdown resistant it's not virus resistant it's not crisis resistant so we want to really improve in these areas so right now fundraising with covid you know easing off fundraising is picking up a bit but we lost a lot of people and we still can't come to America. what the fuck when he says he lost a lot of people does, does that mean that like a lot of people died because they were out fucking fundraising or they just left the movement. I hope it's the latter, but it kind of sounded like the former. Like, they died because they were out there COVID fundraising. If anyone in the audience has any insight into that, I would love to hear about it. American fundraise, we can't go to Korean fundraise. So we're able to do some local fundraising, but it's not, it's not big money. Donations now that we've... Uh, appointed Kajikuri-san as a church growth director. He's helping our leaders and our members just understand how it works, you know, how to ask for money, how to set it up. We got our digital donation thing going so people can still donate even if they're not in the building. Uh, you know, improvements have been made here and we will continue to improve. We've now also appointed a director of asset and finance. So he has saved one of our businesses from going bankrupt. You know, honestly, the whole situation was just hemorrhaging, frankly. So we need to, like, do some basic stuff just to kind of 
be here. This is not flashy. This is not really, uh, you know, anything to boast about. Okay, but uh, we are kind of plugging the bigger, ho- the biggest holes first, and then slowly, substantially, step by step. I can say that right now we are in a situation where, if I were you, if I was the other side of the world, I would send my money. Number one, because I'm here, frankly. <laughs> Damien, what the fuck? <laughs> if I were you, I would send money to me because I'm here. Great, great reasoning there, Damien. W- w- wow, great, great pitch, great pitch. I'm fucking sold. Where do I send the money? And we've got some great leaders that are on the team that you can totally trust. And enough members, in my opinion, and leaders are really stepping up to understand how we need to go to a whole new level. And uh, we're going to be implementing policies of financial transparency and reporting. We've already implemented a bunch, and we're going to continue to do that. I think this is one of the things that I was able to learn from America, and one of the things that America, through, uh, through our team, is able to really uh, inherit to uh, the, the beloved leaders and members that are working so hard here. So based on finance, let's go through, I'm just going to go through a couple of projects. Um, this is the organizational structure. Now we're just looking at Thailand. Uh, Thailand actually has... A- Here we have another org chart. This fucking cult loves an org chart. They love a fucking org chart. Let's see what's on it. About $17 million worth of asset, mostly land and property. But it hasn't been, it hasn't been making any money at all. So uh, he is going to change that completely, right? But it, it takes money to even solve the problem. And we're literally like... <gasps> You know, like that. You know, like in the movie when the, the water's coming up and the, just like, that's where we are, honestly. So everybody's doing their best and we've divided all of our assets into different categories and different people are taking care of different kinds of assets and businesses. P. Matterdet is taking care of our business base directly and he needs to appoint uh, other people to take care of our financial oversight and all of this okay so this is just thailand but he's also at the regional level Uh, these are our major assets in thailand and our utilization and our people who are responsible this is kind of a snapshot at what money looks like in baht this is baht the exchange rate right now is about 35 baht for every dollar so you can see we've got about 15 16 17 million dollar worth of asset but we've also got debts we've got loans we've got overdrafts he is now sanitizing all of that he's clean so they have 17 million dollars in assets and they're going out and asking people for 135 grand to give to hak jahan and then trying to sell hak jahan's old dirty disgusting clothes for another 25 grand why not do something with the shit you have that's worth 17 million if money is that important i i don't get it i don't get it damien i don't get it yep all of that. He's reorganizing, reconsolidating our debts so that we've got healthier debt and also changing our relationships with the banks so that in the future, if we need to borrow from the banks, we can again. But we are not trying to solve our operational expenses or our salary expenses and all this kind of stuff by borrowing money. No. Um, we need to invest into money that makes money. And so there's a few projects I want to share with you. The first one is not really a big money maker, although it will at least probably pay for itself. This is really more of an environment project for our blessed children. This is our Bangkok HQ, if you look at it from outside on the street. 
and we want to build you know a cafe in there somewhere an environment where blessed children can really take ownership and our young members also as a place to relax drink coffee and also to witness right we've got space for it and we just need to find some money and we can make a cute these are just examples of what we can build something like this we've got space to build a cool you know they've got these kind of cafes everywhere in uh, Bangkok we want one we think you know it's embarrassing not to have one so we want to put something like that there for our members to enjoy our youth to enjoy but also as a place place where people can uh, witness HQ is actually right next to uh, Ramkam Heng University where we do a lot of our witnessing and I checked it out with Jonathan we checked it out there's really not very many places on the university campus kind of relaxed places to study and neither are there we have it again on fucking tape fuck man the tried and true cult tactic that almost all cults employ of targeting vulnerable people when they're at university these guys are building a fucking cafe right next door to act as a place to act as bait to bring bring people in so that they can study there and then get approached and recruited fucking maddening you're you're just admitting to the tried and true cult tactic damien that's what you're doing dude disgusting outside campus so let's build it and that's going to you know complement our witnessing activities right then we've got pak chong pak chong is our eight, it's actually the official hj chombo uh chonchim one of asia okay i don't know what all that korean means but he's basically showing uh, an aerial photo of a parcel of land that looks to be in a rural area and we're blessed to have it uh, our members worked hard under the direction of dr young they worked hard to gather money to buy land and mo- most of this land was donated by members and uh a, a sort of a design for a for a training center building was put into place and mother was inspired so mother also donated money into this project and a training center was built there was a big plan to build all these other things that never got finished but we do have a training center there was it built well not exactly it is really beautiful but we've got to fix things like the water and the plumbing and some of the fixtures were not put together right <laughs> was it built well no, not really. The water don't work. The plumbing don't work. The fixtures don't work. <laughs> Sounds like some quality, quality workmanship was done here. This is this is par for the course for Mooney Properties. Even some of the uh, IT infrastructure wasn't really up to code. Some of the people didn't know the best way to do it, but I think they did a great job. They built a be- a, a beautiful, beautiful training center. A lot of junk song was put in here. We're truly blessed to have this. These are the various parcels of the land, but the problem is we're not using it every day and it's not making any money. Again, it's just costing money. So what can we do with it? Well, the plan is we are going to section off one area here for business income, but a business that married, that kind of complements our uh, training center. So really following in true mother's footsteps, you know, you go to Changpyeong, Look, she's got a department store, she's got two or three restaurants, she's got two or three, four, five, six coffee shops, she's got you know, even a fast food joint, a burger joint, and these things are open to the public. 
So they're supposed to make money. She's got a bathhouse. So we want to put something in here. We're actually going to come up with a glamping plan. And we've counted off the space. We've researched which kind of platforms you need, personal you know, toilets for each of the uh, tents. You can either put these kinds of tents or these kind of tents. It looks like something you'd put on the moon, but these are air-conditioned units. These look like could like high-class Coachella glamping pods that he's pointing to right now. Um, with private bathrooms and beautiful, like it's kind of like a hotel suite inside. Or not a suite, but a nice big king-size hotel room. And uh, anyway, we're looking into this literally as I record this video. All this work is being prepared and the cost of each tent and the door and the infrastructure, everything's being calculated. And, you know, um, our projected return on the investment after six months, all of these things are being calculated. These types of locations stay really busy in Thailand during the tourist season. This is a tour tourist country. So a lot of our projects have to do with tourism, like Father would encourage us, right? So that takes me to the next one, Kauai, right? Kauai is a huge piece of land that we have on an island in this remote location off the coast of Thailand. It's beautiful. Why do they own all these places? Where? Jesus, where do... It's like they, it, it feels like they just like inherited this stuff. Obviously, someone bought it at some time, but like the, the vibe is like, oh, we have all this shit. Maybe we should keep it up and do something with it. But like, how long has it been just sitting around there and how did you get it? If anyone in the audience knows, please, uh, please let me know. Full. It really, we've got all these beaches, public and private. I mean, everything's private, but you've got these big beaches and these cute little private beaches that can be made. And some of you may have heard of this or seen reports about Kauai. It really looks good from a distance on camera, but in reality, this place has been run down also. It really hasn't been really taken care of enough over the last few years. And then COVID just killed it. So um, we need to rebuild certain parts of it properly. So there's a plan, everything's being zoned. There's financial, uh, you know, management business plans going into this. Kauai is a place where we should be able to, you know, bring our members, but also it's another place that we can monetize. We can rent units to tourists at the right times, right? So um, we're going to put put this place back on the map and fix all of the stuff that's been run down. We've got a couple living there right now. That's like literally just for the food that we give them, they're cleaning and fixing bit by bit slowly. Oh, so you're labor trafficking them. Congrats, Damien. Congrats. Uh, but we need to inject more into it. Look, there's such great potential right here. It's kind of a lookout post. We want to build some nice kind of beautiful resort. This is going to be a beautiful resort and I want you to come. Uh, but it's going to take some money to invest. We're going to rebuild some of the units that are falling down. We found a really affordable A-frame type of thing that can be totally cool and customized. And these are just sort of sample photos of what we want to build here in Kauai. Uh, you know, it's, we've got to build infrastructure. You know, we, we need to rebuild the, 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 the generator. We need to get a new boat. We need to buy a boat. Uh, they just had a landslide with monsoon season. So we need to protect the land from these landslides. It literally killed our generator. But they, don't, they didn't leave. Even though now we have no running water and electricity, they're still living there. The Chattery family. They're like heroes. They're living there and they are definitely protecting 
uh, and building and waiting for us to come and help, okay? And then there's Bang Bao, which is uh, a 40-minute boat ride from Kauai. And Bang Bao is a property right here at the end of this really cool kind of village that's built on a pier. And uh, it's really cool. It looks kind of run down right now again, not taken care of well. This building is being torn. Like I said, it's a common theme. They don't take, they don't take good care of their shit. Down, it's an illegal building. This all needs to be fixed. This is our property, everything here. And then on the other side of the property, over here, we've got these four stores. And you can run a fishing or a boat company out of here, which is what one of our members has been doing. So we want to really upgrade all of this and we want to fix our boat and we want to rent out boat tours during the tourist season. You know, Kauai and Bang Bao, especially there's like a six month season where you can really make money. This one here is probably, the boat business is probably the best for making money. P. Marudet told me that he thinks we could probably make about 2 million baht in one season, right? 2 million baht in one season. So the reality is that we want to get all of these four projects up and running by November 1st because the tourist season really starts in October. So we don't want to push it any later than November. If we do, we're going to miss another season. We're going to miss another harvest. Now, we don't even have the money to do all of these projects, right? So what are we going to do? Uh, HJ, you know, the HQ Second Gen Cafe, this one's probably going to cost about half a million baht. What's half a million baht? Half a million baht. It's probably about... Wait. Uh, okay, all in, we think we need about... Uh, three million baht. Three million baht is probably about $100,000. Or maybe at the exchange rate today, maybe $80,000. Okay? So out of that $80,000, this is probably 15 or 20 it will probably make its money back <clears throat> maybe in a couple years, maybe quicker, because we do, have, um, we do have young members that will happily run it as a business and even do delivery you know, to the local businesses, coffee, sh coffees and stuff like that. Oh, so you're going to make them work for you for free, you're saying. <laughs> Fuck you, Damien. Fuck you. HQ Second Gen Cafe, another place for labor trafficking. Fuck you, Damien. But I'm not expecting this to be a moneymaker. I'm expecting it to eventually pay for itself and then it will actually bring an in income. If young members want to really crank it, we can make money. Absolutely. Oh, okay. So if the slave labor really goes for it, then you're going to make money. That's what you're saying. Okay. Good luck with that, Damien. And what you need the money for, dude? You still haven't explained that. Pachong is our training center making no money at all. It's just costing us. And even if we do workshops, we never can make enough. We're charging members to come, but never make enough to even pay. Uh, and certainly not enough to develop it, you know, to develop it. As a church, we always buy buildings and forget that you need money to fix the pipes in a few years, to, to upgrade the electrical stuff in a few years. So, Yep, that's what I'm talking about, Damien. That's, that is how you roll. That's why we need to really monetize this in some way. 
This isn't a huge moneymaker and it's definitely an experiment. We don't have any glamping sites to speak of anywhere else, but everyone else is doing it and they're full and they're making money. So we want to try it. And even if it doesn't make huge money, it's more bedrooms for our members for when you come and we have a big workshop. So, uh, and it's kind of cool. So, but we do believe that this will pay for itself within six months. That means in its second year, uh, we'll be able to start making money to reinvest even further. Okay. Kauai, probably similar to Pakchong. It's another kind of camping business, right? It's like, uh, you want to stay two weeks on a remote island in a beautiful tropical country on, with your own private beach. Pak Chong's for you. So what are you going to pay? I don't know. It's 30 bucks a day, 30, 40, 50 bucks a day, whatever it is. Um, we want to make it awesome and we do want to make money from it, but we've never made money from it properly yet. So we're, it's a new kind of business that we really need to get into. Sure, we'll Airbnb it. We'll do everything we can to bring traffic. Maybe you guys can help to bring traffic, uh, but at least it should be able to maintain itself, right? As an, um, as an amazing location for our second gen and young people and you guys to come and spend time in nature. It's, it's, it's really the center of our Asia Pacific Ocean Church uh, activity. So we definitely need to at least bring it back to life, if not even make some money, okay? Bang Bao, Bang Bao is definitely a money maker. Uh, we think we can make 2 million baht, 2 million from the first season. So we need about 3 million baht to do all of this, about $100,000. And we're confident that within the first year, we'll make all that money back. So you might ask those of you that have already donated or want to donate, what, what would we spend our money on? Wait, so he's like basically confidently stating that... Um in a year they're going to successfully launch four businesses. Okay. Good. Good luck with that. Damien. I guess he, he does, he does have free labor on his hand. So that's that, that that'll help him out, but still sounds ambitious. Well, look, the entire headquarters staff of, you know, Thailand, for example, was cut in half. And then those that remained, their salaries were cut in half. And we're talking about people living on really nothing, just enough to put food on, okay, in many, many cases. So do I want to say that money's just going to pay for like, you know, people's salaries and stuff like that? That sounds so boring, doesn't it? But when you consider that this entire team in Asia is essentially a pioneer team, like when you were on MFT out in the van and you're out there in another state and then you kind of run out of gas, you've only got 10 miles of gas left and then you're not allowed to sell product more than 30 minutes a day because there's a virus and it's barely enough to eat and then some first country guy comes along and says hey i want to give money to you but i want to i want to i want it to go to something really exciting like building a well or you know building a school yeah we do too but our team there that's actually going to do the work is literally holding on for their dear life so i i i want to tell it like it is okay there's 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 512 families half of them are active we've got leaders that have that we've got great leaders but they're used to kind of doing it a certain way for the last 20 years and we need to change the way we do things here we need to build on this incredible foundation which has really been investing in the witnessing environment 
and now really strengthen our core and take care of our own homes, take care of our own families, and you will see incredible things happening. Dude, you're not taking care of them, dude. You're extracting money from them. How are you taking care of, of, of your people, Damien? You're extracting money from them to send to the rich bitch. That's what you're doing, man. Fuck. Because the foundation that is here is amazing. But it's like, you know, we can go to these five-star events and rub shoulders with VIPs, but we've kind of got to take our dirty shoes and jeans and broken t-shirts off in the changing room, put on a tie, and then go walk out on stage and pretend that we're this amazing big, big you know, movement, everything under control. It's not like that. Our, our Damien, you just encapsulated things perfectly. I love that description. That is exactly how this whole fucking thing operates. Mwah. Brilliant description, Damien. Members are really desperate, and I want to help them be wealthy. I want to help. I want to help all the blessed families be wealthy. I want to help them be rich. I want to save our businesses. I want our millions of dollars of property to actually make money. We can do great, great things. And then those young people that are going out fundraising, I don't want them just to fundraise for church leaders' salaries. I want them to fundraise, oh, go raise $100, $100,000, and we'll invest in our business even more so that our businesses can make money. So, that so these kids that are out there fundraising, their money is going to pay for their leaders and or into other businesses that are going to make money to go to the leaders and eventually go up to fucking Hak Jahan. Fuck you, Damien. Fuck you so hard. You just, again, you're admitting the shit. None of this shit goes to charity, man. It only goes up the fucking pyramid. Money can make money. This is what I want to do for all of our incredible leaders and members throughout Asia Pacific One that have been working so hard and bringing great victories to our true parents. This is what we want to offer. Mother has a vision. I'm locked, laser locked in on what, not just what mothers, you know, looks like to me, what is she looking at? What is mother looking at? What is her vision? Where is she going? What's her idea? And how can I follow her? This is what the leaders want to do. We want to follow you, true mother, just like true father would wish us to do, to unite with you, to work with you. Mother's only got what? How, you know, even if mother lives to a hundred, how many more meetings, how many more events, how many more trips is she going to go on, right? So we believe everything has to happen now. And we believe that right now we are raising the last generation of young people, second and first gen of who are now like between 12 and 22, maybe 12 and 30, you could say. This is really the last generation that will be able to directly relate with and learn from and hear from our true parents substantially. Thank fucking God. Thank God. That will be alive to tell the story 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now. So, Damien, I'm alive and I do not have a good story to tell about them. Think about that. There's a lot, there's a lot more people that have negative stories to say about them than positive stories. Just, just saying, Damien. Especially in Asia, we have such great potential to raise 1,000, 10,000, 20,000 new young members. And literally the only thing stopping us right now is human and financial resource. I'm not waiting for anybody else to solve this problem. We haven't asked for $1 from True Mother. Nothing. We, in fact, are giving to uh, True Mother.
Why, dude? Why? Why, 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 why? Why? The reason we're doing that HJ Love offering is to completely, totally shock factor change the mindset of our leaders and members here. Because up until now, it's like, oh, got a project, money will come. Got a project, money will come. Now, no. Got a project, make sure you got a plan how to pay for it. Not only that, how will it make money? To get to that stage. That's again, that's all you fucking care about. That's all you fucking care about, Damien, is the money. Talk to me about the welfare of your constituents, man. You haven't done that once. Not a single time. It's going to take some time. And so brothers and sisters around the world have started now. We're, we're sending money to Pakistan. There's another video. We're sending money to Pakistan to you know, bring relief to the victims there. Our members are okay. But we're sending money to our members to feed the people that are literally dying all around them. So, okay, maybe that might be one good thing you're doing with the money. I seriously question how much money that was and why didn't you send that $135,000 to do that instead of to the rich bitch. We've got Sri Lanka in a state of crisis. We've got Myanmar and Pakistan in a state of crisis. We've got more than enough humanitarian things within our own region that we want to help with, okay? But first we need to strengthen our regional team. And, and that's another thing that is uh, totally worthy, I think, of your support. So thank you for your kind donations. Thank you for your support and your interest. This is way too long a video. I'm speaking too fast with not enough breaks. This is my love to you to tell it as it is with as much respect and dignity as can be given. All of this is true parents fruit. You are true parents fruit. I am true parents fruit. The buildings, the land, the businesses is all true parents fruit. All of the foundations and victories, all true parents fruit. Not my victory, not someone else's victory. We really have to bring it back to true parents. That's where the magic is. That's where the energy is. That's where I'm interested. Otherwise, I wouldn't be wasting my time with all this, right? That's where my heart is. I love you guys. Um, I don't know if you heard, but the audio quality kind of deteriorated there in the last couple minutes. Um, I think those were the evil spirits just just trying to jack their way in. Maybe they got in the wires or something. They were just trying to fuck with fuck with this recording one last time. Um, well, fuck you, evil spirits. I did it. That is the end of the video. What do we think of Damien, huh? Is Damien a hero or what? Is Damien doing the Lord's work? Or is he fucking robbing people? What do we think? Is there deception at play here? What do we think? Are we going to be forking out 25 grand for the dirty ass clothes of the Empress? I'm certainly not, and I think anyone who's selling that shit should be ashamed of themselves. I'm not going to say anything more than that. Honestly, this fucking car crash of a, of a fundraising video, uh, that shit speaks for itself. You know, if you're listening to this, you're not getting the full experience Patreon subscribers will see the video version of this, and in that video, they're going to see about 
10 different costume changes because it's taken me so many different attempts to record all the little pieces of this. But you, dear listener, uh, it's just going to sound like some long, seamless thing. But um, yeah, trust me, this has taken me a lot longer than I wanted it to take. I'm grateful to have done it. And um, I'm looking forward to doing more shit like this where we just find incriminating stuff. And we just look at it and it's not hard to find. And we're going to incriminate some other motherfuckers. Peace, y'all. See you next time.